0: hello everyone and inside today's locked on canadians it was a wild original six matchup as the canadians fell 4-2 to the boston bruins there was a lot of nonsense a lot of good a lot of bad i will have your recap and more inside today's show locked on canadians your daily podcast on the montreal canadians part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 810 of Locked On Canadians, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week. Thank you, as always, for subscribing wherever you get your daily podcast. and subscribing on YouTube. It means so much, and thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. I am your host. I am Scott Matla. You can follow me on Twitter, at Scott Matla. I have to apologize. I meant to have an episode out for today. I had sat down to record with Patrick Bexell. And the internet in my general neighborhood out here in Buffalo decided it did not want to cooperate. And I was going to try and record something last night after the Laval rocket game ended. And my internet decided you're not even going to get to watch the end of the rocket game. Deal with it. Double birds the whole nine yards. My internet didn't really flick me off. It certainly felt like that. So I was not able to get an episode out to you all as I had hoped. But if you missed the announcement on Twitter... I will be having a bonus episode that will be coming out on Saturday. Good friend of the show, Ian Bavara, is going to be coming on, and he graciously agreed to be the Quizmaster. We're going to be doing some fun trivia stuff, just a little fun episode for your weekend, and then we'll be back at it next week. That episode with Patrick, we are going to try to re-record on Sunday for you all. That'll go out on Tuesday. Three up and three down will go out on Monday, and then it is the return of the Legend self. The Active Stick will be back. However, let's get down to business, not to defeat the Huns, but to be really sad about the Montreal Canadiens. And tonight is the first time, maybe not the first time, but tonight's game was dumb. I, I, I'm i going to call it dumb for, it was a good game for the Canadians in some ways. The Canadians were the better team than the Boston Bruins tonight. And I don't feel bad saying that because I'm going to bring up the basic counting stats here at NHL.com. Let's go to the box score, shall we? At the end of the game, the Montreal Canadiens had 31 shots on goal, limited the Bruins to just 21. Not bad. They lost 4-2. And the thing is, the Canadiens were controlling the pace of this game early, and then a weird, fluky goal ended up on the stick, uh, off the stick of Tyler Bertuzzi. One nothing. Jake Debrosse comes out of the box, makes it 2-0. And then somewhere in this time frame, the, the the stupid came out. The very, very stupid came out. Uh right after the Canadians' first power play expired. Before that was Rem Pitlick blindsided Patrice Bergeron. And I don't think I've ever seen Rem Pitlick hit anybody. He's not that type of player. Rocked him. Brad Marchand comes over and just basically assaults him. Gets a double minor for it. Even though Rem Pitlick threw no punches, Marchand basically jumped him, gloves off everything. They reviewed it. Pitlick gets a two-minute minor for interference, which is correct. They missed the call initially. Before that power play expires, there is a very blatant makeup call where Mike Matheson is hooked, and they called it holding against Mike Matheson. And then all... Just dumb. Dumb, dumb broke out from here. About five minutes left to play. Jake Evans gets on a partial break. Puck gets away from him, and Jeremy Swayman covers it. Jake Evans has to stop short, and he doesn't touch Swayman at all. Gives him a little bit of a snow shower, but he has to stop short. They gave him a slashing penalty, and then they also gave him a roughing penalty When Charlie McAvoy grabbed him from behind and threw him to the ice. Somehow that ended up as a Bruins power play. And then to cap off the first period stupidity at face off, just outside the neutral zone there, AJ Greer and Mike Hoffman are jousting back and forth. Some slashes Hoffman gives him a shove and AJ Greer winds up and just right to Hoffman's face immediately cross checks him in the mouth. Hoffman immediately goes down. He is bleeding profusely. The officials immediately call it a five-minute major, and Greer has the audacity to look at it and go, come on, man. It's the most obvious you could have made that penalty without announcing, I am going to cross-check Mike Hoffman in the face and bust him up, causing him to miss a period and a half. Hoffman did come back, which is you know great, good to see. He was ejected. Canadian score on that power play. Nick Suzuki gets a beautiful one-timer off a feed from one Dennis Gurianov, who continues to just be mm, chef's kiss. Love what I'm seeing from him. And a secondary assist from Kirby Doc. Things unraveled a little bit in the next period, too. Jacob Zaboro got away with basically punching Michael Pizzetta in the back of the head. is slow to get up. He's out of the play. Bruins go the other way. David Pasternak makes it a 3-2 game. And at the end of that period, after Kirby Dock scored a beautiful, beautiful tic-tac-toe goal, thanks to Mike Matheson, um, Charlie McAvoy just elbowed Jake Evans in the head because Evans was coming in to finish a check, does not have the puck. He is still several feet away. McAvoy makes no bones about it. He comes in and he just throws the elbow up. There is no call on the play. It was dumb. And the Canadians throughout all of this, Fairly well kept their composure in this game. This is a game that very easily could have spiraled out of control. I know people wanted Arbor Jackine back in. Sometimes the better thing to do is let it go. At the same time, the other part of me is like, nah, just set it all on fire. Burn it down here. Late in the game, David Savard makes a good recovery to deny David Pasternak a breakaway. And then for whatever reason, leaves the front of the net where there's a scrum in the corner. And David Krejci just goes, okay, and skates away from him, gets a pass from the point, makes it a 4-2 game, and that's your final. Out of everything in this game, I am very impressed with the Montreal Canadiens' ability to be resilient. Because after they went down 2-0, they could have very easily folded because the Bruins are the best team in the NHL. They are playing on all cylinders right now. And the Canadians took it to them. After Evans got hit at the end of the second period, the first play of the third period was Rafael Harry-Penard getting leverage and absolutely blasting Charlie McAvoy along the end boards legally. It's frustrating to lose a game that was winnable. Jake Allen wasn't at his best tonight, simply said. But at the same time, perfect tanking night. The Flyers won. The Canadians played well against the best team in the league and got zero points to show for it. Kirby Dock looked amazing. Nick Suzuki gets his 200th point. Mike Matheson continues to be impressive. Pretty solid game overall. We're going to wait on potential suspension news for A.J. Greer because if Nick Suzuki got fined for cross-checking Anton Lundell, A.J. Greer should probably sit two or three games for blatantly hitting Mike Hoffman in the jaw. His jaw was swollen in his bubble shield there. We will await the NHL doing nothing. I'm not going to yell too much about the officiating because, quite frankly, I don't really want to yell about it. I've already done that once this week. We're going to move on to bigger and better things. We're going to finish up with prospect news. Canadians lost, but we have good news, and we're going to start in the AHL. We're going to start with Emil Heinemann, and that's coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by Indeed, and no matter how the last game went, Anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness and give your team the best shot by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay for anything. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, all you need is one powerful hiring partner that can do it all and Indeed partners with you every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. And with Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Job searching can always be tough, and it's always hard to find the best quality talent. So join the site that has more than 3 million businesses worldwide using it in Indeed to hire great talent fast, and you can start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash LockedOn. That offer is available through March 31st. And remember, to claim your $75 credit before March 31st, you need to go to Indeed.com slash on. Remember, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. I am, of course, your host. I am Scott Matla. Normally, this would be a Friday mailbag episode, but since things got jumbled around a little bit, we're going to talk about prospects. And don't worry, we're going to get to one Lane Hudson in a moment because this is the Hudson for Hobie official podcast, trademark pending, of course. We're going to go to the AHL, though, for what I want to talk about last night before my internet decided to, you know, double birds, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk Emil Heineman. He made his Laval Rocket debut on Wednesday night. And you know what? He didn't look too bad. He looks like a guy who is still gonna adjust to the North American game. And I have confidence in Emil Heinemann adjusting to the North American game because I watched him do it throughout the preseason with the Canadians this year before he went back to Lexand. The timing and space is very different from playing in the SHL. Smaller rink. More on the physical side of things. That's not to say that games in Europe are not physical. I was watching the SHL playoffs and there's scrums and intensity and everything else. But it's all little bits of timing that once he gets that down, I'm very excited to see what he can do because Emil Heinemann scored the Rockets first goal of the game against the Bridgeport Islanders. They ended up losing 5-3 in a frustrating kind of contest. And we're going to talk about the playoff picture there in a moment. But what happened is Pierre Dubé skates deep in the zone there. He gets into the faceoff, dot, curls back, fires a shot that Corey Schneider, yes, that Corey Schneider kicks out into the right faceoff circle area. Emil Heineman is sitting just outside the circle there, jumps in, and absolutely wires one. Schneider got across to make this save, too. If he didn't label this one for the upper twine, Schneider probably has an incredible save on this. He puts it right over his glove, top part of the net there. Unless Schneider manages to get that, he's not saving that puck. Great, great way to get yourself on the score sheet there. And I'm very excited that he was able to do that quickly. Breaking that goose egg is a huge... you know, a relief. It takes pressure off your shoulders there. We've seen it before, like Cole Caulfield when he went to the AHL. And this is not to say Emil Heineman is Cole Caulfield. That is definitely not what I'm saying. He scored a hat trick in his first game. He was nothing short of incredible against the Toronto Marlies in that debut. And I remember watching it on his first shift, he scored a goal. Heineman didn't score on his first shift, but he had, an, he had an impact there that you're looking for. And the Rocket need that because I am looking at the AHL North right now. The Marlies have clinched already. 84 points, 10 games left. Syracuse Crunch have 60 games left, have 68 points. The Utica Comets have 61 games played. They have 11 games left, 68 points. The Rochester Amherst, 12 games left to play, 63 points. Belleville Senators, 10 games left, 61 points in fifth place. They have the final playoff spot. The Laval Rocket, with 10 games remaining, have 60 points. They are sitting one point out of a playoff spot there. The good news for them is that they can make up this ground easier said than done, but they have some very big games coming up that are important. Uh, I'm actually pulling up the schedule on here right now. We go to the end of the month here. Tomorrow, or the day that you are listening to this, they play the Milwaukee Admirals. It is Lasso Country Night at Place Bell. They go out west to Manitoba for two games against the Moose, and then Friday, March 31st, play against the Rockford Ice Hogs. That is four non-divisional games. Those are non-negotiable. You know You've got to win those kind of things. Then they play April 1st in Milwaukee again, and then they finish their schedule with Cleveland. Must-win game. Syracuse, must-win game divisional. Wilkes-Barre, Toronto, and Syracuse. Their schedule is not an easy one down the stretch here because I'm looking at this Milwaukee's, one of the best teams in the Central Division. Rockford's sitting in fifth in the Central Division as well. Manitoba is sitting in third. Not exactly easy competition, and then you go out to the games they have to play still In here, Toronto, top of the division. Syracuse, second in the division. Wilkes-Barre, despite being last in the Atlantic division, has the same amount of points as the Rocket in just about the same amount of games played. The Rocket need help from Cleveland, who I believe plays Belleville three more times, to split those games. Belleville not getting points. And they need people... They need help to get into the playoffs, basically. And they should get it. I imagine Jaden Strubel will likely make his debut in this next game on Lasso Country Night here. Matthias Norlinder, Oliver Gallopo had rough games. Nicola Baudin needs to get back in the lineup. They have nine healthy defensemen. They have options to rotate. They're going to come down to the wire for a playoff spot here. And the fact that they're even sniffing one after how badly this season started for them is nothing short of incredible. Injuries and I know this is not an excuse, all teams face injuries, but the injury crisis throughout the Canadian's organization this year really put a damper on things. We don't know when Harvey Penard and Yalonen are going to go back to the AHL if they go back to the AHL at this point because Canadians aren't fully healthy yet. They don't need to send Yalonen or Harvey Penard down. They just got Anthony Richard back. They lost Justin Barron, who was their main, you know, producer on the blue line there. And they've just battled consistency things. They're missing Alex Belzeal and Rem Pitlick, who were big producers for them when they started to get back on track. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that they're going to miss, but I'm not guaranteeing that they're also going to make it. It's going to be right down to the wire and adding Heineman potentially adding a Sean Farrell or other free agents from college or guys from the CHL. There's a little bit less than a month left of hockey to play. There's plenty of opportunity there, but basically they got to win out or have as close to a perfect record as you can get to have a chance to sneak in. And that's not even to secure a playoff spot. That's to secure the play-in round spot, fifth o- the fifth overall spot, where I believe they'll play the Rochester Americans, which they swept last year, but Rochester, I'm sure, will have plenty of reinforcements as well coming from their OHL guys, plus who's there right now. It's a very interesting situation all, th- all the way around here. But like I said, Emil Heineman is a huge boost there. Now that he's got his first goal, hopefully there are many more to come with that. However, it is time to switch to what I'm sure all of you tuned into this podcast for. It's Lane Hudson time. It is so Lane Hudson time. We're going to get into his Frozen Four debut coming up next But first, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. And there is no better place to get in on the action now than with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And that's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. All you got to do is go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to sign up and claim your first no-sweat bet and you can wager on anything in the the NCAA tournament from the money line to point spread to which team will win it all. And if you're feeling really lucky, combine it all for a same-game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So if you don't want to miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. And remember, make every moment more with FanDuel. And of course, please always bet responsibly because, you know, we want to see you around and everything like that. Let's talk about Lane Hudson. And I'm going to find this tweet here so I can read it verbatim because I do not want to mess up the phrasing. And this comes from Cam Robinson, the head of film scouting at Elite Prospects. The most points by an under-19 defenseman in NCAA history. Craig Redmond, 54 points. Kurt Giles, 49 points. Brian Leach, 47 points. You will notice that I am omitting a name in here. That is because Lane Hudson, with the opening goal of the NCAA Frozen Four Tournament today, is at 48 points and counting for this season. That is historic numbers. And Cam goes on to add a few more things here. Here are a few other noteworthy names in their under-19 season. Adam Fox had 40 points. Very good player. Luke Hughes, 39 points. Zach Barenski, 36 points. Quinn Hughes, 29 points. Charlie McAvoy, 25 points. And if that's not enough for you, from Ryan Lambert, BU is outscoring opponents 75 to 29 when he is on the ice this year. Oh, wait. Hold on. There's an addendum to that after an empty net goal, 76 to 29. Lane Hudson is the truth. He is him. He is that dude. He has that dog in him. He has that cliche that you want to use. I cannot get over how Lane Hudson not only hit the insanely high hype expectations from the scouting community and the Habs fan base and then put himself into a different universe this season. What he is doing is insanity as a freshman. A true, pure freshman. He is 18 years old. Bonkers. And yes, Boston University is a fairly solid team across the board. They finished, I think, number five in the country when all was said and done. An insanely talented defenseman. And now the question becomes, can he win the Hobie Baker Adam Fantilli's got a pretty good grasp on that, but I'll be damned if Lane Hudson isn't sure as hell giving him a run for his money because if Hudson can continue to explode in this tournament, I have no doubt in my mind that Lane Hudson can potentially do this. And then the question becomes, well, if he wins the Hobie Baker this year and they, let's say BU wins a national title, And Lane Hudson comes close to that 54 point mark and sets a new record for under 19 defensemen in the NCAA. Do you assign him to an ELC and turn him pro? Because the question is the skill set's there. The skill set can transition immediately. He's that guy. He's got work to do defensively. Okay, you can learn that in the professional level. His skating might need a little work. There's Adam Nicholas, and you can train that at the pro level. He's got to grow. No matter where he goes, you can't control how someone's body grows. You can do, you can guide them. But right now, Lane Hudson is not physically ready for the professional level of hockey. I would love nothing more than to see Lane Hudson suit up in a Canadian's uniform next year. I don't think he would though. I think if he were to sign his professional contract, he's spending a year or two in the AHL, unless he continues to blow the doors off of that. I am in no rush to see Lane Hudson sign that entry-level deal, and I am not in a rush to see the Canadians get him signed up for it. Then again, I said the same thing about Caden Primo, and he signed out of nowhere after two years at Northeastern. Sometimes these things just happen. Someone else on Twitter pointed out that it's like he's hit the hype, but keep expectations reasonable. He's not going to immediately come into the NHL and be a 50-point NHL defenseman. He's not immediately going to come in and be a huge power play play threat, putting up points, multi-point games all the time. He has the skill set that he can do that, but he's got to be guided into that spot. If they were to sign him, I think you send him to the Rocket. He has NHL skills, but he needs time and seasoning still. I am not in a rush to see Lane Hudson go pro. I am going to bask in the awe of what he is doing right now, though, because everyone is taking notice. This is not just Habs fans going, wow, our prospect is good, and don't worry, several fan base were like, you guys need to calm down. He's so small. It's all hype, blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Just shut, shut your mouth. Lane Hudson is doing things that are unprecedented for defensemen at his age. Yes, Cal McCarr, phenomenal player. Yes, Adam Fox, amazing. Quinn Hughes and all these other guys in there did incredible things. But they didn't do this immediately upon joining the NCAA. Lane Hudson's come in and just caught lightning in a bottle and then multiplied. That man's got a thunderstorm and a jar of talent. And there's things to work on still. His defensive work needs... Uh, Needs polishing. Skating needs a little bit of work. But what I can tell you is he sees that game at a level that is NHL ready. There's just a little bit more time. And when you have a talent like Lane Hudson, and I am going to say talent, I'm not going to say generational because I don't think he's a generational talent, but I think he might end up being the best damn defenseman from that draft class. The way things are going right now, you have to take time and let it develop properly. It's like a souffle. You take it out too early, and it'll collapse on itself, and you're wondering, well, now what? This is a chance to truly fix so many things that are wrong in this organization right now. Yes, Logan Mayu can shoot hard on the power play and is a good offensive defenseman. Yes, Jordan Harris is a very smart guy. Yes, Jaden Struble is a physical, athletic freak of nature. Yes, Arbor Jackey sends dudes to the shadow realm. No one is Lane Hudson. Not yet. Adam Engstrom has a lot of talent. That's great. Justin Barron looks really promising. Matthias Norlander is in flux somewhere here. None of them are a Lane Hudson. There's not a person in the Canadians' first two picks potentially this year, save for maybe Axel sandin Pelika, who can be Lane Hudson. And I am not going to encourage the Canadians to rush this. And I think Kent Hughes knows that Hudson's going to go back to school next year, more than likely. And you know what? His numbers are probably going to drop a little bit and you know what? That's fine. Adjust your expectations. You dear. We talked about this with Joshua Watt last year, supremely talented led the QMJHL in scoring. His numbers have taken a step back this year and yet he is a better overall player. The thing for Lane Hudson after this is, Go back to school and fine-tune the little parts of your game then. And then you go pro, and then you prove everyone who passed on you wrong, including the Canadians who technically passed on him one, two, three times in the same draft before picking him. They still picked him, though. 31 other teams do not have Lane Hudson. One team does. That team is the Montreal Canadiens, and we are very, very happy about that. But it is so hard to not be so supremely hyped Out of your drawers for Lane effing Hudson every single time he's on the ice. Frozen 4 continues over this weekend and into next week. We will have more prospects updating as this show rolls on. But for now, I am wrapping it up for the night. I have been your host. I am Scott Matla. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Matla. You can follow the show at LO underscore Canadians. Follow my co-host at The Active Stick for when she gets back. Give her a nice warm welcome. Thank you so much for subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast or if you are watching on YouTube. Thank you so much. Ring the bell to get notified any single time we go live. Folks, we will see you all next time.